If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Slightly Something Else, where we are returning to the more listenable podcast format after uh-huh. an experimental period in which we played games that the commentariat didn't really get along with. No, we're not allowed to play games anymore. No but games for us. Apparently, people just like to listen to these things and didn't like having to pay attention to shit. Yeah, no, but- that's understandable. We have we have plenty of uh, plenty of streams where you can pay attention to shit. So here you Fair go. Fair enough. And there's room for like more experimentation. I'll tell you what I used to do on my old Let's Drown Out series. I used to like pre-record all the footage. And then, because uh, the problem with playing the game live is that I'm always getting distracted by what I'm supposed to be doing and pressing the yeah, buttons. Yeah, even like a even a game that you feel like, you, like do, or uh, Duke Nukem was something like you know like the back of your hand, but, uh, you know, you still, still that much of your brain has to go towards, you know, playing the game and you're seeing new things and stuff you want to talk about and everything, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not uh, we're not closing the door on uh, you know every so often maybe revisiting stuff with with gameplay. I feel like it would make sense with like singular game focused things like the Spec Ops one from a little while ago. But um, yeah, we heard you loud it's and cool. clear, so we could just watch videos and comment on them like it's mystery science theater or something. I would just watch. That. That would we could watch really someone good. else's long play. I'm sure that wouldn't oh be a legal God. minefield. Oh, this this sounds fantastic. We can critique whatever stream the Escapist did from one year ago today, and we can uh, put our own spin on it. There you go, easy peasy. Anyway, the topic to drive discussion this week is uh, one of the you suggested, and that's short stories as a game thing, which uh, came to mind through uh, Live Alive, as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. So Live Alive is the uh, old slash new game it was a it was an old uh, we've talked about it i think in a couple of the shows but it was an old uh super famicom uh square rpg ooh, um, super famicom ooh. is it well, oh listen it never to came, it never this, came to the west <laughs> listen to mr cosmopolitan Does, it's too good to call it a super nintendo you could pull uh the weeb out of japan but you can never pull the japan out of the weeb um so yeah, it never yeah. never got an official uh, localization. However, uh, Square just released uh, for Switch a, a really cool, um, not only just like a remaster, but uh, uh, um, added a bunch of stuff to it. And and sort of the visuals are now that cool two point five D stuff that like Octopath Traveler and, and Triangle Strategy did. But um, the 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 key feature of the game, like the real standout thing, is as soon as you boot up the game, you can choose one of seven different stories to play, and you can play yeah, them in any order you want. And yeah, they, I think I played a both... fan translation of the original SNES game when I was younger. Yeah, it's funny. I think that was like those um, those JRPGs that never saw real translations were some of the earliest like the reasons to use ROMs was like, oh, I can play, you know, Mother 3 on, on Translated or Terranigma or these, or, or Second Densetsu yeah. 3. Um, oh, I remember Second Densetsu 3. Seems like yeah. there's a lot of these old unreleased games getting, like, big reboots. I remember the last E3 I was at in 2019, they were showing off a remake of what I didn't realize at the time was a remake of Second Densetsu 3. 
Yeah, because it kind of looks ugly. Like they yeah. did like a kind of a 3D kind of thing, and everyone looks chibi instead of using that really neat art style of uh, Secret of Mana and everything. Yeah, so it was in the middle yeah. of the presentation. I went, oh, I know what this is. I played an unofficial ROM. I mean, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I, I definitely wouldn't do that. Never, never. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, Live Alive, the, the cool thing is, yeah, you choose um, seven different stories, and it's uh, they, they sort of range across time. So you can do one that's a, uh, a caveman in prehistoric time that has zero dialogue. It's the character's kind of emote, and, and, and you, you tell the story through pantomime. Uh, ranging, you can go up to, there's a story that's a Western that's very much modeled after spaghetti Westerns. The music sounds like Sergio Leone music, um, to the far future where, where, where there's robots and space and everything. Um, and they do eventually, once you beat the seven of them, it's not a spoiler that they, they eventually kind of tie into each other, but for a bulk of the right. game, they feel like completely disparate stories. And the only thing they share is a, a villain of like a similar name. So like the villain of each chapter is something called Odeo. And so it could be maybe like a, a, a evil gunslinger or the leader of a warring tribe or or a, like a, a feudal Japanese warlord. Um, Should I be playing this? I'm short on things to play. I really like it. I mean, the, the, the caveat is it's only on Switch, which is kind of yeah, like, yeah. why don't you put it on a PC and well, stuff? Well, you know how I feel generally about JRPGs. Is this for me? Is this a game for me? I thought I got really bored by Octopath Traveler. Uh, this game is one thing about this game, which goes on the topic is it's mm -hmm. almost incapable of making you bored because each of the stories is like two hours long. Oh. Um, and, uh, they throw in different, it, it has the same internal battle system, but there's kind of wrinkles and caveats in each story. Like the, uh, there's one section that's very stealth heavy. And then there's another section, like the, the Western section is pretty much, um, uh, uh at, uh, dawn a group of bandits are going to come and so you have to go around town finding people and finding ways to set traps and so you find traps okay. and you choose who you want to set the traps up and depending how well that does the final battle can either be really easy or really fucking hard so they've all got some kind of unique gameplay yeah yeah um and again like it's just in and out of your life like I'm, I'm playing one chapter a night it's like you can almost play each one in a single sitting if you sit down for two hours or so um you know they feel different it, it's really charming and especially in a world where you know you mentioned octopath traveler there's that game like triangle strategy which takes like it's several hours and you yeah. only have one or two battles in the first several hours and it's, yeah, it's, i downloaded, it's I downloaded the demo of triangle strategy and i didn't even get through that yeah, exactly. You kind of just roll your eyes and you're like, okay, I'm not... I'm, it just banged on and on and on and on. And your, yeah. your point generally was that more games should embrace the short story as a method of storytelling. And yeah, the, and it's... Yeah, it is certainly true that a lot of games tend to be over long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked in the past about the, you know, Dying Light bragging about being 500 hours long or games yeah. that just seem to, open world games especially, that seem to just, you know, pad their worlds with, with chores and things to do and, and kind of sleight of hand techniques to, to keep you in that world. Um, yeah, I've played a lot of games that try to drag themselves out a bit. For some reason, I'm yeah. thinking of um, Little Hope, the second chapter of the Dark Pictures of the anthology. Anthology, yeah. Where the, which was filled with a whole bunch of sort of disconnected scenes where the main characters went to a place and then a horrific thing happened and the main character said, we've got to get out of here. And then they got out of there and went to the next yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I felt like none of it um, was really uh, driving forward the point of the story. Yeah, and you wonder, like, would this have been better off 
because I mean, it's funny because those dark picture anthologies are, you know, technically anthology storytelling, but each game is its own kind of thing. And, uh, you know, obviously your mileage may vary on some of them. I I don't think the dark picture games have worked as well as um, their kind of big siblings in uh, Until Dawn or The Quarry. Did you play The Quarry? Oh, yeah, I reviewed it, remember? Okay. There is an expectation for games in particular to be of a certain length, though. Which I think is, is the problem, you know. We've all gotten yeah. used to we've all gotten used to games being like eight hour experiences at the very least. Yeah, yeah. But this is where we see sort of anthology storytelling um becoming a, a bigger and bigger thing on TV. And it, it's it's kind of always has been if you go back to especially genre storytelling like the Twilight Zone. Mm. You know, each episode tells its own little story or Tales from the Crypt, which is kind of a horror version, uh, up into modern stuff like Black Mirror or uh, Love, Death and Robots on, on Netflix or even like that. There's the classic Simpsons episode, 22 short films about Springfield, which is hmm. probably one of the most iconic Simpsons episodes that were all just 22 sort of mini vignettes, uh, each focused on a different character from the town. Well, the um, main And I just wonder why more would... games don't do that. Well, I I would say the main reason the games don't do as much is that games have to be a lot more economical with their assets. Mm-hmm. They have to... Um, they can't just, like, change scenes every two minutes because they have to make a whole bunch of new rooms, a whole bunch of yep. new assets. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not really um, practical. They, no. need to, they need to make their uh, assets work. Yeah, especially in the way um, sort of modern uh, AAA games are built. Like, if I could wave a wand, it would be great to be like, what if there was a Horizon game where you play a bunch of short two-hour stories as different people in that world? Or Ghost of Tsushima, instead of, you know, uh, uh, having uh, Jin go through the world, what if, like, it was little chapters, all those kind of side characters and NPCs you meet and help out. Like, what if you got to play as them and there were different mechanics and they told a different perspective on the world, but, you know, ultimately they all sort of come together to to give a single collage of whatever the story of that world is. Just a quick reminder, everyone, that we're we're not ignoring Super Chats. They will be read Mm. out from halfway point again. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, I'm seeing, like, the bonus content chat from Will Cooling there, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Feel free to so, get yeah, your free. super chats in. Uh, we have to read them out so we can say something embarrassing if you want. It's, huh? it, we all have a good time. There you go. Did Perfect. you play Weird West? Uh, I did, yeah. yeah. That's basically what you're talking about right there. Yeah, it's a it is. collection of vignettes of uh, different characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, I thought in my review it was kind of an issue because Weird West specifically was a role-playing game and the idea of a role-playing game is that you have a character and you gradually build them up from uh, start to finish. Uh, They Mm -hmm. develop skills and acquire inventory and um, is always developing the same entity. And I found in Weird West when you were switching from one character to the next every few chapters it felt hard I felt less motivated to go out and do all the quests and get all the upgrades because I knew I'd just be losing everything in like twenty minutes. Yeah, you have you have less of a sense of ownership over these characters because they feel um, disposable, I guess, in a way, as opposed to yeah. when you play Mass Effect and you know you're going to be with this crew for not only one game but for three games in a row. So that's why the short story thing doesn't work for me, specifically the RPG thing. But yeah, when I was thinking about this topic as as non and uh, in the context of anthologies, what I mm-hmm. thought of was the Dread X Collection. You ever seen those? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's Red a, X Collection that's a... is like a semi-regular uh, release on Steam that's a sort of like hub game that connects a bunch yeah. of mini games developed by a variety of uh, indie developers. And yeah, like and the short... only thing they kind of share are hor- like short horror experiences. Well, I think horror, you brought up like anthology TV shows, and most of those are horror as well. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason for that is horror is one of the best mediums to use for like short form narrative because mm-hmm. horror doesn't need a lot of time to bring its point across. No, not at horror all. Horror is just like normal, normal situation. Ooh, twist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very instinctive thing, horror. You can bring across the uh, necessary emotions without full, needing to like fully establish the characters. Because we can all relate to people not wanting to be killed horribly. Yeah, yeah. We can all relate to like basic visceral, uh, scary things like being trapped in an abandoned town at night. Mm-hmm. So what if? Uh, and and obviously, we're not saying <clears throat> there aren't anthology storytelling in games and like you you just brought up dread x and i think it's a lot more prevalent in indie games honestly hmm. so what if something like that anthology approach to horror i know we've we've talked and you've made videos at nauseam about how let let the dead die like let them rest but what if there was a silent hill game that was a series of maybe connected maybe not even connected but short experiences all sort of set around the theme of silent hill so given the you know the, the ostensibly the dread x treatment but given the triple a budget of of a silent hill game and then furthermore what if instead of you know a single team working on each one each of the vignettes was made by a different team and so it wasn't just getting um you know like live alive has as has you know it was all ostensibly built by the same team even though there's kind of credits at the end of each uh, episode but mm. like what if you had developers from around the world teams of different sizes you know famous developers unknown developers all working on this single project with their kind of unique piece in the same way we see in you know a lot of those aforementioned you know stuff like black mirror or twilight zone or love death well, and robots now you're describing it i'm sort of attracted to the concept Mm-hmm. Partly because that's basically what they've been doing with Silent Hill this whole time, with our yeah. constantly like, shunting into different developers, and they're all putting their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, most of them have been kind of shy. And I'm wondering if, like, maybe if they were in a shorter format, we could figure out quicker that they were kind of shy and move on to the next one. Yeah, something yeah. like and Silent it- Hill Shattered Memories. Now that you're mentioning it, probably would have benefited from a, being in a shorter format. Yeah, and I think you can take bigger swings with a shorter format if if you want to really um you know really sort of get outside your comfort zone in terms of either presentation or gameplay or story um i i feel like people are more willing to 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 engage with something really experimental if you know okay this is only going to last an hour or 90 minutes or something like that um Mm -hmm. as opposed to dedicating an entire 10 to 12 hour game on something that you're not sure if it's going to be a big swing and a miss Mm um yeah one one uh you know with live alive one N- nintendo kind of has a history of of embracing anthology storytelling in some of their uh more i guess minor franchises um kirby superstar saga for the super nintendo i know kirby's like what you, a lot of people don't like kirby or if they, kirby's yeah. for little babies but uh yeah. superstar saga was ostensibly like seven or eight different games of different genres on a single um, Super Nintendo cartridge. Mm. And so there were Kirby games that were more uh, like, a, there was like a traditional Kirby on there. There was more of a boss rush, uh, you know, Kirby game on there. There was more of a puzzle game on there, more of a racing game on there. And 
the collection was kind of choosing which of these you ultimately want to play in which order. And it did feel like they were like, we have all these ideas for different Kirby games. What if we put them into one single package instead of, you know, being like, all right, we need to make a Kirby game that has 10 levels and has the exact flow of a normal Kirby game. And for something that was released in the early 90s, like it was kind of impressive how uh, how how outside the box they were thinking for that. Well, I guess I'd say that it's treating ideas as kind of throwaway. Like, uh, there's a lot of concepts that, like RPGs, as I said, that uh, you kind of need to focus on for a long time to get the most benefit out of it and uh, to just do a little thing and then throw it away. Yeah. Uh, might be a bit wasteful with video game budgets yeah. and all that, but as you're describing it, I was suddenly thinking of thinking that there's quite a lot of games that embrace a sort of anthology format. I was thinking of a Mario Odyssey, which I'm playing with my daughter at the moment, incidentally. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, Is she liking it? She likes to watch it. She okay. likes to watch. Sometimes she like insists on grabbing the controller and playing it for, for a bit, and then we just fall into lava a few times and until she grumpily lets me Does hit the it? controller back. <laughs> Does that, that one have... Uh, like, I know Galaxy had kind of like the second well, player mode where you can kind of waggle a wand and like... Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. These two-player mode and Mario Odyssey is a pile of shit. But anyway, <laughs> Mario Odyssey and a lot of Mario games have a pseudo anthological style in that you go from world to world, and all the worlds have a different theme. And in Odyssey mm -hmm. in particular, every world has its own crisis that you have to deal with. Yeah, and it's all like connected by the overarching uh, problem of uh, chasing after Bowser and stopping his fairy tale wedding. Yeah. Which is just, it has to be illegal. Like, Bowser needs to stop doing yeah. that. Bowser needs to stop forcing people to marry him. That's and awful. although they all use the basics, the same basic platforming controls, there's a distinctly different feel in the way the worlds are laid out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, New Donk City feels like nothing else in that game. Yeah. Like, that yeah. feels like a very singular, like, not only in the intro and then in the musical number, but just the way that open world kind of unfolds compares to like the snack kingdom or the the mm. the the thing where you can become a t-rex um yeah it's kind of the closest i think mario has felt to that honestly um although you could say you know mario 64 even introduced some of those ideas with uh having certain levels you jump into just be races like yeah. sliding levels or certain levels be more boss heavy sure um, so yeah there you go Anthologies yeah. and games already. You must be very pleased. I am. I am. I am extremely pleased. But I want more. I demand more. Um, so there's also a difference between. I even see some people in chat talking about it. Um, of of do mini game collections count as anthologies? And the yeah, game I mean, that, that came to mind with that is like WarioWare, something that is so heavily built on like you know a rapid fire progression of different mini games where you have to learn the mechanics in a matter of a moment well i'm thinking of the seventh guest which probably shows my age okay yeah yeah that was just a collection of mini games with an overarching mm -hmm. story that you were picking yeah. up scripts and scraps yeah and there's even uh almost an indie version of uh of of warioware called spookware yeah I've seen that, that is yeah and it's again like kind of like a a, a a spooky i mean as you could probably tell a spooky take on warioware but uh um, you know, all the mini games are something like you have to saw off your arm because a, a zombie bit you, or you have to like well, pop a bunch of yes. vampires. 
There have been plenty of yeah. game jams in the world to show us that it's not that difficult to just like slap together a few mechanics experimentally and make a little yeah. game jam game. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there was even an interesting. Um, do you remember this game called UFO Fifty? From no uh, seven years ago or so, uh, it was a collection of fifty little games all done by different developers. So almost in the same thing that the you know how the the Playdate, the little little crank machine uh, that we talked about a couple months ago, has uh, you know little experiences by a bunch of different developers. Um, UFO fifty was the same thing. So like Derek Yu, who who uh, created Spelunky, mm-hmm. uh, did a game on there. And again, it was definitely a your mileage may vary on a game to game basis, but um, it, it felt like a chance for, for folks to be able to try something different and creative without having to commit to the several year cycle of making a game. Yeah. Do you remember a time? I think it was like in the, in the late nineties where they used to sell mm-hmm. CD compilations of like 5,000 shareware and indie games. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, in like the bargain bucket of the of your local yeah. EB games. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know, felt almost like there was kind of like a neat sense of discovery there. And even back in the day of like demo discs, which is obviously a different thing because these were, you know, Yeah, every now and again you'd find something on there that like stayed with you. Really but stood out. There was an awful lot of dross though. Yeah, yeah. Um but I guess that was almost like part of the fun at the time was like digging through the muck of uh of of the awful yeah. things to find that one uh you know diamond in the rough these days all you have to do is follow indie games on steam to get a similar experience yeah digging through to... the muck every day yeah digging through the muck yeah yeah seriously um i listed a couple other a couple other games that that came to mind to sort of see like if you think this would fit in this um okay. what remains of edith finch which you know has yes. a single overarching that, story, but each backstory feels like it conveys the story in a very different way. That was certainly anthological, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I liked how each, um, you know, as you were, I guess, if, if folks don't know, what remains of Edith Finch was a, a, a sort of a, a first-person walking simulator game where you uh, were, were uh, t- t- walking through this uh, family, like this family's house, and it was just several generations lived in this house, and it felt like patchwork built upon itself. And every once in a while, you'd come upon like a diary or a memory of uh, uh, of a former member of the family, and the whole thing was the family was supposedly cursed, and everyone met an unfortunate demise was that and you would a case of every chapter being made by a different creator it was not no it was it was the same team although if you look at the different chapters they absolutely feel like different creators yeah um you know one was uh uh a sort of first person cel-shaded horror movie that even like literally used john carpenter's halloween theme yeah. Um, another one was a, a sort of a, a dive into this character's um, uh, mania as he, as he was working on, like a, as a fishmonger, like on a fishing, mm-hmm. like on assembly line, and sort of how he created this fantasy world to escape to, and how that ultimately, you know, led to his demise. Um, and so it, it was neat because you know each each story would um, help fill in your perception of this family, but they all felt self-contained in their own way. Hmm. which i thought was a i don't know a pretty a pretty neat way to go about things um as opposed to just playing the normal four-hour thing in a single uh in a single go well it feels like video games already do a lot of the short story thing 
They do, but I want more. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds... Uh, well, it's... Now, speaking as a writer, I've often found it more difficult to write in a short story format than in a novel format, funnily okay. enough. Because when you write short stories, you have to learn how to be pithy. And with a novel, you can yeah. sort of, you know, ramble a bit, find the point as you go across, as you go along. Yeah. With a short um, story, you have to have a you have to have a point to make, and you have to, and everything has to be servicing it, and then you have to like do your little twist and get out of there. Yeah, I think that's why you know you mentioned how horror works so well in an anthology setting, whether it's you know sto mm. short stories like Stephen King is famous for a bunch of short story collections, or um, Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt or anything like that, because you know you could just have the spooky ooh got him twist at the end. Um, but I, I think the the twist part of it is you're able to sort of work a clever muscle without needing to spend the time to really flesh out that that backstory. Like O. Henry, uh, the the author is known for his stories sort of always have a little a little turn at the end that that puts things on their head and makes you kind of want to reread the story now that you mm -hmm. actually know the twist. Um, the main character was an Egyptian mummy all along. I think more more stories need to just. It turns out you're an Egyptian mummy the entire time, which would, yeah. I think would be very exciting. Um, yeah. Other recent games that have done this. Do you remember? I believe it was Battlefield Five. That um, each campaign was a separate, disparate story, and you played as a different character, which I guess like Call that, of Duty has done was before. That world, was that the World War One one? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Battle. No, that was Battlefield One. Which yeah. was very confusing. That was the game before five. That might have the World War One one might have been actually the one with the disparate stories. That um, seems to be okay, like the standard model for war shooters now. Okay, I mean, that was the last. Yeah. Uh, call, the last Call of Duty uh, World, of, World War Two game did that. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think that works well if only because you don't need to. Uh, you know, you you can kind of be like, okay, this character is a gunner, or this character is a sniper, or this character is a pilot, and you don't need to like kind of create a superhero that um, needs to be able to do everything. You can kind of just focus on a, on a single short story for a character, and I think it kind of works. Yeah, I mean, most people don't have adventures every week of their lives unless they're Indiana Jones. No, no. But again, I feel like you could make an episodic Indiana Jones game as well. Um, well they made an episodic TV series. They did, Young Adventures of Indiana Jones. They made um, the Indiana Jones desktop adventures. Do you remember that? I remember. Yeah, that was like Yoda stories. They had a Star yeah. Wars version of it too. Where those were, I think those were my first roguelikes. <laughs> yeah. Because I had like procedurally generated maps and everything. If you, could, if you could call it that. Yeah, they were more like procedural adventure games. Yeah. Sort of uh, uh, top-down a sort of ultimary sort of vibe where they yeah. position things. Yeah, yeah. I remember those. Those were uh, before their time. Definitely strange at the time. They, they were for their time. They were yeah, before that's their nice, time. So there's a thought. A nice Perhaps the roguelike procedural genre is the place to uh, look mm. into making a short story engine. Yeah. I mean, is that the closest thing we have now to, like, well, is, I mean, I guess. Well, I was working on extra punctuation that's going up soon on the subject mm -hmm. of uh, interactive narrative. And I was pointing out how you see all these games trying to create this sense of interactive narrative with branching paths, and it always feels kind of lesser. But then you have games that just sort of take a, like, take a step back, 
relinquish control a bit and use procedural systems and they to my mind have been a lot more successful at creating a sort of procedural story engine uh -huh. uh, their shadow of mordor nemesis system springs yeah. to mind yeah absolutely. but also something as simple as XCOM, where they just give a give your soldiers a name and a face and a nationality and then yeah. your brain fills in the rest you like get attached to them they become characters just from like surviving mission to mission you start feeling you start getting a sort of like sense of bias that maybe one of them like misses their shots more often than the others even though they probably don't and uh -huh. you make up a story in your own head like saying oh he's been on the whiskey again stupid <laughs> scottish soldier yeah and that's you get a similar thing uh like i think this month might this month or next month is the 10th anniversary of ftl and i feel like that was a similar hook in that game where it felt like every time you booted it up it felt like you we're going on a completely new and different adventure yeah. and the people might be different and the scenarios you hit might be different, but it was like, almost like I'm watching a, a new episode of Star Trek every time I, I um, load this up and I don't know how it's going to end every time. If it's going to end, you know, well for me or if it's going to go absolutely poorly for me. That was always what appealed to me in FDL, like <laughs> being able to say divert power to the main thrusters. And that would actually mean something. That yeah, was actually a mechanic. Yeah. You could divert power to the main thrusters. Yeah, yeah. You could you could scream like uh yeah, like like any captain of the Enterprise would and, and, yeah. and see what actually happens there. Yeah. Um Shields up the, number one. And then you can see the shield and you're like, oh, this is what actually happens when they do that. That's nice. Um and uh yeah, the last uh, the last group of games that I feel like they're kind of dabbling in it, but I'd be curious to see if they ever like really fully commit to it is uh, some of those uh, first party Sony games. We've seen smaller side stories or downloadable content, like going back to uh, Left Behind with the original Last of Us to uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, and then mm. to even a few years ago with uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yeah. And now those are less like anthology storytelling and more we can create a small experience using a lot of the assets from our original game, then this can act as like a, a sort of a snack before right. our full-fledged sequel comes out next. That's it. It's um, the attitude of a lot of DLC, just, just you know, yeah. an, ex an extra bit of dessert that mm -hmm. now that we've got all this stuff in place. I've always thought uh, in the Zelda series, whenever they do like a direct sequel to a Zelda game, it's, they usually do something interesting with it, and it's probably because they've already got everything established. Like yeah. Majora's Mask, for example. Yeah, they got absolutely. they got all the bullshit out of the way, rescuing Princess Zelda from Ganon. You know the the mm -hmm. token plot with the first one, Ocarina of Time, and then mm -hmm. everything was in place so they could have some fun with it. Yeah, and it's great because not only like I'm I'm literally playing that through that now on my personal channel, my streams, and that's a uh, it, it also doesn't have to do the work to teach you how to play the game. There's kind of an assumption that you played. Yeah ocarina of time and so not only so yeah you got the sort of major a plot story out of the way you've got teaching you the mechanics out of the way and also the way they reuse a lot of the assets from the original game like they'll take character models but since this game almost feels like you're in a, a dream or a nightmare they'll bring that character and they'll be completely different and they'll actually flesh them out and give them a really interest, interesting story and um obviously that's a product of you know they wanted a Zelda sequel in a very short turnaround in like mm -hmm. a year. And so they're like, well, this is what we could do in a year. We have, uh, you know, these, uh, 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 all these assets and everything from the game that came out in 98. So see what you can do and release it within, you know, 
14 months. Um, and through that constraint, I think there was a lot of creativity at play, and that's why it's definitely one of my favorite Zelda games. Majora's Mask certainly feels like it throws you in at the deep end. It's like, it really yeah, does. You, yeah. yeah, well, you, you figured all this out in Ocarina of Time. So the first thing we do in Majora's Mask is just, like, pound you into the dirt with a big baseball bat. And then you're <laughs> a tiny, pathetic thing scuttling along. It's like yeah. I have no mouth and I'm a scream or something. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh... And again, like you can, instead of having the vast expanse of Hyrule, Termino is a much smaller location, but they make up for that with the, with the time loop mechanic, which definitely at the time was extreme, felt extremely inventive. Yeah. Um, yeah, the time loop at the time was inventive, and it certainly seems like the sort of experimental mechanic that uh, could be explored in a shorter form, lower stakes experience like that. Yeah, yeah. Is there a? Uh, is there a franchise that even a franchise that might you know you be might be suffering from fatigue that you think could could be um you know rejuvenated by taking an approach to storytelling like this by sort of trying oh. something weird and different and experimental we brought up uh, silent hill earlier which i think clearly mm. horror does work in this kind of formatting well we're seeing a lot of variations on the boomer shooter yeah, uh, as discussed in the last extra punctuation, a lot of those are embracing sort of uh, ex experimenting with just one interesting mechanic. Mm -hmm. I love yeah, yeah. You mess around with like a hook shot or what's that one ultra kill that has a sort of like Devil May Cry style stylish meter? Yeah, yeah. I've also thought about there was uh, do you there was like an RPG that came out about ten years ago? I think it was called Evo Land. Do you remember that? I remember the name. You're gonna have to help patch my memory in. Uh, if this is the game I'm thinking of, it started out looking um, extremely bare bones and basic. So you start out and it kind of looks 8-bit. Mm. And then as you make it through, as you progress through the game, um, for a story conceit, the game keeps evolving uh, both visually as well as in terms of mechanics. Right. Yeah, and it evolves. Do that. Yeah, and it evolves kind of with the history of the genre itself. And so I wonder if, in a shooter format, if you could almost have something that starts out, you know, very sort of uh, skin and, like, you know, just just bare bones, um, feeling like something like Doom or, or uh, Wolfenstein 3D. And then throughout the game, it kind of adds mechanics and visual flourishes at the pace that they were added in um in real time so you know adds a new axis with something like quake and then maybe adds like a, a kind of an immersive storytelling thing like uh um half-life did and then you know as it keeps growing and evolving it's adding whatever the uh the the, the element du jour was in in at that console generation or that uh mm. you know that time for the genre but maybe this is also way too ambitious for something like uh, well i don't know i'm suddenly you've you suddenly made me think of a hat in time which uh okay from chapter to chapter sort of changes up its style in terms of gameplay as mm -hmm. as well as everything else like there was a new environment because the first chapter is very like classic like mario sunshine style find all the hidden things on this one island and then like in yeah. the next chapter it goes into a more sort of linear plot then in the next chapters, like uh, does something in a haunted forest that has a completely different tone, and yeah, it sort of yeah. plays around with the structuring of the gameplay. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think if if done well, that works really well. If sort of done as a, ooh, let's just do something different, then you might be left being like, why am I having, you know, a, a steak alongside a, a chow mein alongside a, a cake? Like it might feel like a weird, a weird mishmash at a buffet. It, you kind of need a. I think if there's a strong through line in terms of the primary gameplay mechanic, that can work pretty well. A Hat in Time did that because you know yeah. it had strong Mario style platforming mechanics running through it all. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, the, the good kind of platform mechanics, the easy to learn, hard to master sort of thing, where you can just about run around and jump on things if that's all you need to do. But you know, if, once you get to grips with it, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, you kind of wonder, like, yeah, if, if if a team is able to lock down a really compelling gameplay loop, would uh, shying away from it at certain points almost be a detriment to the game? You know, would you would you hold the experimental parts? Uh, would you sort of judge them differently because you're like, well, I want to go back to like the platforming is really fun. Why am I not platforming anymore? Why am I in a race car? Or why am I doing a, a stealth section or something like that? Make me think of games like No More Heroes, where they set up like the standard mm. combat mechanic, and then every now and again it just does a sort of subversive comedy thing where it just becomes like a turn-based RPG battle for one yeah. battle. Yeah. Well, especially, wasn't there, what's what was the one that like had the, the all the different sort of arcade mini games that was kind of built around that? Was that Travis, Travis Strikes, Strikes Again? again? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, maybe that that felt like that might have been a because i think they knew at the time that there was going to be a no more heroes 3 yeah and so it almost felt like they could do this kind of experimental 2.5 bridging between the games and i know and... playing travis strikes again almost feels like pseudo 5 one you know having a sort of introspection session okay interesting like uh trying to like recapture his like love for gaming There's... I mean, that game's as much like a love letter to indie games as it is a No More Heroes sequel. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice. I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to kind of let a, yeah, let a creator get out their thoughts, like yeah. sort of just vomit their thoughts onto the art and, and see what comes of it. I kind of appreciated it for that introspective vibe. Should yeah. we do some super chats? Let's. Yeah, I see a bunch Let's, bunch yeah, already came in. Chat, remember, get your super chats in. Talk about your favorite your favorite anthology games, why you like anthologies, why you don't like anthologies, or talk about whatever you want. It's your show from now on. Will Cooling, member for 28 months, gives his bonus content message to say, I enjoyed the Let's Play format. Maybe something to do with a change of pace. Listen to Duke Nukem episode, found it really informative and engaging. Well, you're in a minority... Against the rest of the commenters <laughs> on that video, Will Cooling. Uh, but yeah, like we said, I think we're 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 going to keep it in our back pocket, and we're still going to, you know, yeah. when when the time is right, go to it. But um, I think primarily, was, the show will stick to this. I, I think the problem was I just couldn't really like focus on talking while I was playing, so maybe pre-recording would help, as I've yeah. done in the past. Yeah. Uh, Michael Broadman gives four ninety nine dollars and says Assassin's Creed Infinity supposedly will deliver shorter, more frequent experiences. Wouldn't it be funny if Ubisoft solved the problem of bloat? Well, they won't, Michael Broadman. That's like Hitler solving the problem of fascism. <laughs> I was about to say, it would be kind of ironic if Ubisoft creates the problem and then is like, ah, we've, we sold you the we sold you the disease, now we will sell you the, the cure yeah, to it. Probably um, just going to make like a standard live service model where they just yeah. hack out as many little missions as they want. 
Yeah, that being said, if uh, again, if, if I didn't have to make a 40, 50 hour commitment to an Assassin's Creed thing and then one came along that sounds really neat and is only eight hours long, I think I would I'd be really into that in the same way that I really liked those aforementioned Sony games that were, you know, the the Lost Legacy and Miles Morales and, and Left Behind. Um, you know, I like those better if uh, the same, if not better than a lot of their um, full fledged counterparts. Well, it's only keeping Assassin's Creed alive for the name recognition at this point. The whole overarching plot is completely meaningless at this point. It is the whole Templars versus bonkers. the whole Templars versus Assassins thing just sort of uh, like devolved over time into goodies versus baddies, and that's basically all it is at this point. Yeah, like I said, if you told me Ghost of Tsushima was Assassin's Creed Samurai, I would have believed that instantly. Literally, the loading screens were just like bits and boops of data. And then yeah. you just played the game normally. You'd be like, oh, I guess I'm just a samurai. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Scavenger gives $5 and says, small shout out to Saga Frontier for PSX, which did a similar multiple protagonists in Disconnected Stories. Never played it. Probably yeah. I, uh, I I played both of them and I enjoyed them quite a bit. And I think they actually just got recently re-released. Not like they didn't get the same bells and whistles as uh, uh, Live Alive did, but um, they're now on, I think, PC Switch and, and PS4, at least the first one is, and the second one's coming soon. And mm. yeah, that definitely did a different thing where um it felt less like they they changed up the the format in terms of like interesting mechanics and stuff, but um they were a bunch of disparate little sort of like mini RPGs, which is nice because like you said, the RPG tends to have a have a real um not I don't know if stigma's the right word, but like it seems to rely heavily on uh making sure you get a big meaty long experience right up you get right, a nice right. big meaty long experience right up your nether you socket just oh just open your gullet because it's coming in uh svs guru 2000 gives five euros says isn't that just story side quests like getting the old lady's frying pan in witcher 3 well i'm talking about specifically in like a gaming format i'm talking about using the short story format to mix up the gameplay as well as like Edith yeah. Finch, like Live Alive, having slightly different gameplay mechanics from story to story, which isn't quite what you're talking about. Yeah. There. I think a lot yeah. of people forget that video game narrative has the interactive element. Mm -hmm. And that's like, yeah, it, that's so what makes it uh, idiosyncratic and it should be played with more. Yeah. Yeah. You should be able to. I mean, you could take almost any video game world that you like. And you could envision like, oh, it'd be neat to experience this through five different lenses of different characters with different mechanics and maybe presented in a different style. Imagine um, if you could go through like City 17 from Half-Life 2 but as Spider-Man with Spider-Man's web swinging mechanics. Oh my god, just put Spider-Man in every game. I want to swing through everywhere. Just like rotate around the Citadel 50 times like it's a big maypole. Oh my god, this sounds this sounds absolutely wonderful. Didn't speak uh, of Half-Life, what, what was the... Uh, some of those early Half-Life expansions, didn't they kind of toy with, like, was it Blue Shift? Was that the name of one? Yeah, Opposing Force. Like early... Yeah, uh, and yeah, was that, around... that was where you played as different characters with different abilities and different... Yeah, it was mostly, like, similar weapons. There were some different weapons in Opposing Force, and there was, like, a, a like a grappling hook mechanic, a limited okay. grappling hook mechanic in Opposing Force as well. Blue Shift really was really just more levels of Half-Life 1. Gotcha, gotcha, which was kind of big at the time yeah. um there were a lot of yeah, fan I mean, made there were a lot of fan made like total conversions and mod like level oh sure half-life yeah. and a lot of those uh, uh ran the gamut of 
story genres at least yeah yeah and i saw some folks mention episodic storytelling which wasn't quite what we were talking like i wouldn't consider um telltale games to be anthology stories like ostensibly you know the walking dead is just a single story just broken up into five four bits or five bits yeah, same thing with a, uh the half-life episode experiments that's a serial like a soap opera that's serial exactly exactly uh civic nilol gave us 20 norwegian kroner says yahtzee why should one read shakespeare sell it do i have to i mean i don't think shakespeare is terribly relevant to modern writing he was uh, he was like the the soap opera writer of his day. He wrote stuff that pleased the masses. Mm-hmm. I think his uh, his his story archetypes are found in a lot of things. So if I you, if you read Shakespeare, from... you could sort of be like, "Ooh, I know what this is referencing," or right. "Ooh, I know what this is a take on." Well, I think you you could just as easily like get the same stuff just from reading all the modern stuff that Shakespeare influenced. I grew don't up in the county read, where Shakespeare was born, you know. Oh, is that right? That's neat. Yeah. Do they make like a big to-do about it? There's a big sign when you drive into the county saying, Welcome to Shakespeare's oh. County. Do they have like Shakespeare festivals and stuff like that? And... Not really. Not the time not not near where I grew up anyway. My uh the, the town I grew up in Wisconsin was the hometown of Georgia O'Keefe. The, uh, the famous painter, and uh, the only thing the town has is one single street named after her, and the Walmart is on that street. So <laughs> I feel like that is not a very nice way to to pay respect to an artist. Well, you got to put your Walmart somewhere. Exactly. Uh, Callie D gives two euros, says, Yazi, how fast do you write your books? Well, I write at a rate of one page a day when I'm writing a draft. So that will take me like about a year. No. Oh. I'm working on one. Don't panic. I'm working on the final book in the Galaxy for Food trilogy, and that do will you, be done in. That, you'll probably read that in like a year or so. Do you limit yourself to a page? Like, do you ever feel like, man, I could keep going, but I should limit myself to a page a day? Yes, absolutely. Limit yourself because uh, uh, it's it's <laughs> important to write at least a page a day. Mm-hmm. It's more important to not write more than a page a day, because that's the fastest way to burn out. Yeah. If you just true. write as much as you can every day, you'll have nothing for tomorrow. If you think you can go on, that's great. Just say to yourself, great, I'll just keep that in my head for tomorrow. And then tomorrow yeah. will be easier, because I've already got um, some stuff. Yeah, and especially when you know writing the fiction isn't your full-time job. Um, yeah. You, don't, you definitely don't want to get burnt out on that. <coughs> But uh, everyone's got their own way of writing books. So, you know, whatever yeah. works for you. Absolutely. Uh, Clover and Aeneas gives $2 and says, we get to watch live now at last. Cheers, lads. I guess they Which do. one? Who do, you, do you think Clover or Aeneas watched? Which one? Uh, I like to think they were oh. together. I think Aeneas you- is the human and Clover is a bunny rabbit who sits on Aeneas's lap. This I'd play this game. This sounds like a like a lovable like 3D platformer. Phantom of the Night, member for 12 months, gives his member chat to say, would a hat in time count as having short stories? Oh dear, we're back to the old problem with ah, the super chats, aren't we? Happens. This is what happens. Yes, we, ad- we addressed that earlier. <laughs> Check the VOD. Uh, Dimitri gives five Canadian dollars and says, thoughts on demos being a short story that communicates the tone of the full title a la FF15. Any examples mm. of other demos that do something similar? 
I played a lot of demos back in the day that was not so much like the start of the game, but sort of like a vertical slice in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It was like the the fun one of the fun bits. I remember playing the demo for the original Dreamweb on the Amiga, where oh neat. Like the most noteworthy thing about that game is that there's a sequence where you burst in on a dude having sex with a prostitute in a hotel room, and then you shoot him in the head. And the demo oh, was no. just like the brief chapter leading up to that bit, and the rest of the yeah, game yeah. was kind of kind of boring. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, Final Fantasy Fifteen one is interesting because it's uh, that was the, the demo was called Episode Dust Guy, and it was ostensibly its own thing that was like a part of the entire experience so like some of the things you do and see in dusk eye are different than the final game so it almost oh, yes. is like a companion piece i guess but ultimately a demo that you know gives you a flavor for what the full game is going to be like um oh and just um, kind of half-life uplink as well the demo for half yeah that was yeah, a completely yeah. separate chapter that wasn't in the full game yeah, yeah, and I know, like, that's what PT would have been to Silent Hills. Um, I know Stanley Parable had a demo that was its own thing that acknowledged that it was a demo and the whole kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge way that Stanley Parable tends to do things. And suddenly I'm remembering Space Quest Six of all things, the Sierra Adventure game, had a demo that was just a completely separate short story using some of the same rooms and assets as the full game. That's neat. I think that's neat. I'd like to see more of that. I feel like that's um, that's well, in a very similar vein of the things we're talking about. Who can spare the assets? I mean, with the big money industry these days, they'd probably make you like save that for DLC or something. I mean, yes, sadly, a hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, uh, guy on couch gives one hundred and twenty-five things. I don't know what those are. Know, it says, good. "Cheers, returning to the old format." Also, funnily enough, I think some mobile games lean into short stories as a result of their constant updating. Okay. Interesting. I haven't played too many of those. Neither have I. No. Uh, those are also apparently Philippine pesos. That's a cool <coughs> symbol. Um, I didn't realize the, Fili the, the, the Philippines used a peso. Interesting. Oh, well, um, one, uh, th this weirdly reminded me of, uh, I think we've talked about Kentucky Route Zero in the past, and I think you've talked about how you found it really boring. Mm. Um, but you literally, I, that was a very well-timed yawn. <laughs> that was yes. incredible. Um, but it had in between, it was like five episodes, but in, in between the episodes were almost these, uh, interludes that, yeah. uh, yeah, that, were yeah. like very different. Like they told stories in a different way and it was like about a different part of the world and wasn't really necessary for completing the whole thing, but felt like neat little, um, yeah, that game neat. certainly had a broad variety of shades of dull. Don't say that it was wonderful i'm just thinking I'm about sorry. one interlude where you had to watch an entire student play and i love that and then depending on where you looked you would hear different conversations oh i thought it was great yeah what that meant was the story wouldn't continue until you subjected yourself to it like if you were looking away from the story it would stop until you'd looked back on it ensuring there was no escape from boredom hell yeah <clears throat> boredom hell's great i want to i want to live in boredom Hell. Well, it's got to be better than hot pokers up the jacksy, hell. See? There you go. We can agree Ma with that. Mark Davis gives a 4.49 British pounds and says, Citizen Sleeper released its first free episode at the weekend. Feels like the base game is a solid foundation to build shorter stories on. Yeah, I guess it is, Mark Davis. In that yeah. it's basically just written short stories displaying over a picture of a space station. 
I've played that one. I quite liked it. But it is just like as a story, as a sort of choose your own adventure thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that could work like if, you know, if someone creates a, a world that people find interesting enough, I think like why not continue to, if if you want to tell stories of a similar genre, you mm. know, have it in the same world. You don't need everything to be super interconnected or like needing to experience one thing to understand the other, but you know, having little nips and nods I think could be pretty neat. Uh, scavenger gives five dollars says does an anthology style game risk diluting the brand would a star wars live alive work or would it just further blur what star wars is there's um gotta be some example of a star wars anthology thing there i mean there, there's plenty there's uh star wars visions which is the star oh, wars yeah. anime anthology that's very similar kind of to the animatrix where different I teams did the it animatrix yeah yeah there was uh there was old star wars uh short story books there was star wars uh tales from the cantina it was all different uh short stories yeah. about uh you know seedy underbelly of things i think that would work great for a game um, it's, honestly yeah, it's, it's always but, been very blurry what star wars is because star wars sure. is just such a basic concept it's just like the hero's journey in space yeah star wars seems like it, it can be whatever vessel you want to put it in um the vessel run one might say uh, <laughs> hey. I, I, uh, hey. I, uh, <laughs> I uh i think it'd be cool as as uh, burnt out and tired I, as i am of uh david cage um david his david cage uh i would uh i think that upcoming star wars game that probably won't be out until we're all dead would uh be neat if it just let us experience the story from a bunch of different point of views um yeah that was heavy rain wasn't it uh yeah but instead of yelling jason you can uh still yell jason because that was the name of one of han and leia's uh sons in the in the old canon so you could just old canon old canon old canon expanded universe in the bin no longer canon uh tick tack talk member for four months uses her early access member chat to say does chrono trigger fit for this category uh i would say no no um, it's all like just the same dude time traveling through different time periods yeah yeah you still play as chrono it doesn't really shift with gameplay um i mean he keeps things fresh that you go from the post-apocalyptic future to yeah, cavemen yeah. to medieval frogs but um yeah i would say no that being said just, chrono trigger is wonderful. just one medieval frog it was like a medieval world true, with like one frog in it who was a with frog one frog because he was he was cursed yeah yeah uh phil myanus oh i see what you did there was it, do we think this is someone new i think or it might we, be a new a one yeah i think they, i think they've discovered like the the fast track to being noticed on these things yeah, yeah. who gives 50 somethings czks check perhaps czech republic money who says, would an anthology game finally make justice to the Lovecraftian genre, or is it just doomed? Well, go and play some of those Dread X collections. A lot of those have the Lovecraftian thing. I think the last one yeah. uh, showcased that Cthulhu dating sim that later got a full release. What was that oh, called? yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, Ten I know what you're talking Something about. like Tentacles of Love or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, popping in, like, since we brought it up a couple of times, I'm then popping. Dead by Daylight nicked the idea. Uh, it really did. How could you Dead by Daylight? Uh, that guy, you know, gives two dollars and says, <clears throat> and says, there will come soft rains. The game. Do you understand this? Is this a reference? Is this I like a... I don't get it. Oh, it's a Ray Bradbury short 
story collection. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, that I, I think would be great. There's, there's a lot of great sci-fi, sci-fi short story collections that I would love, um, that not like to pull from, but to be inspired by, um, yeah, I think that'd be great. Uh, Scavenging is $2 says, would Stray be better as an anthology part? Well, I make no secret of the fact that I think a lot of that game kind of too much of it is just pointing towards the next contextual button prompt and pressing it. What? I'm I'm trying to think of if it was an anthology. What like so? Would you play as like a, a, a different the different robots? Maybe you could do an anthology, anthology along uh, like uh, alongside Endling, and it's just an anthology where you play as animals in the, a human ruined future. Okay, I could get I could get behind that. I could also get behind playing as a different animal at different points in that history. Because um, clearly Tokyo things jungle. have changed quite a bit. That is at that point. I think we're just talking about Tokyo Jungle. Yeah, yeah which is just that's... Tokyo Jungle then. Yeah, that's <laughs> so great. Richard gives two dollars, just Richard, to say, "Is the Stanley Parable a group of short stories?" Ooh, I classify that more a branching narrative game. Yeah, that's aware that it's a branching narrative yeah, game. Sort of self-aware th- branching narrative. Yeah, because I think all the separate all their separate pieces ultimately come together. Um, yeah. I don't it's describe... All parts, it's all part of the same experience, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the the seven different stories in Live Alive, um, I mean, up until the back half, they can feel very different and, and can be experienced in any order and that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that is an interesting question because Stanley Parable definitely toys with this kind of stuff. Oh, excuse me. I've been getting up too early lately. That's not good. The Dogmatic good. Director gives $2 and says, a game consisting of many Yakuza sub-stories, maybe. I think that could be neat. I think Yakuza is a, a, a great candidate for a world that could use that. Um, yeah, it's certainly been weird about the weirdly elaborate side stuff. In yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, ostensibly, instead, but I mean, the thing is, the Yakuza games are so weird with what your character can ultimately do that it almost like takes all of those ideas for side stories and puts them on one person. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're now a, 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 a property magnet or you're running a maid cafe or yeah, I think um, it, you're going to get an arcade. Kazuma Kiyu sells, sells it well just by being a complete brick wall of a character. It's, yeah, it's yeah. inherently funny seeing him do all sorts of things. It's like seeing Agent Forty Seven, like just super cutting between all his different costumes. One, yeah, at one time yeah. he's doing a suit. Sometimes he's wearing a big like chicken costume, and it's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Hitman's, I guess, well, not. Uh, it's not an anthology, but like the way the modern Hitman games work, like each level is very much a its own thing. Um, I classify Hitman as sort of like the video game equivalent of like a mystery of the week detective TV series. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Where ultimately the overarching story isn't the important thing. Like I don't care if Hitman gets his vengeance or finds justice or anything. Like I know the individual stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they just released, I haven't played it yet, but I heard it's pretty good. They just released a, I think for free, a new level for Hitman three. That's all like set on like, I think an Island with like a wrecked old pirate ship. Which, again, is, like, an interesting, I don't know, like, I'd like a Hitman game that takes place at, like, Roswell. Like, it could throw some weird fucking aliens in there. I don't know, that's fine with me. Like, let me sneak around that place. Sure. I think there's a Junior 3D level along those lines, if that's what you, you want. 
There you go. Uh, uh, Bajango gave us $5 and says, I'd say that Eternal Darkness nailed the vignette style of gameplay. Each chapter was its own story, but came together at the end. Yeah, I guess I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah. Eternal Darkness was a, that was a neat one. And yeah. it's weird that that has never, I don't know if there's a weird licensing or rights thing with that, but it's weird that it's never seen a light of day outside of GameCube. Well, the developers switched, went on to make two human and then basically shot themselves in the head. Yeah, but man, like the fact that that's not on PC or just like a, I don't know, a modern port, you don't have to do too much work to it. Didn't the, lead like, the guy fact get... that we've gotten Resident Evil 4 a million times. Didn't the Silicon Knights lead guy get cancelled? Something came out like he was like some big weirdo. Uh, I think he was a big weirdo. I don't think he was like a, an evil weirdo. He might be an evil weirdo. Dennis Dyack, I believe, was his yeah, name. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <clears throat> Names not fits. Member for two months using their member chat and asks, "What is better, power washer simulator or viscera cleanup detail?" Well, if you watch this week's zero punctuation coming out on Wednesday on EscapistMagazine.com or on YouTube, if you're a YouTube member, you will get an answer to that very question. Dun dun dun. Would you uh, like a game where you? half of it is causing the mess and then the other half is cleaning up the mess. I made that game. I made okay. that game during my 12 games and 12 months dev diary challenge. It was called The Cleaner. And that was the what? very premise. Did you like it? <laughs> well, a lot of people did. It was the winner of my like, poll of which was the best game. Great job. I'm glad you took my advice and made that game. That was great. Yes, thank you for the advice. <laughs> retroactively. <laughs> Uh, SVS Guru 2000, a uh, member for 15 months, asks, Yahtzee, have you ever written any fan fiction? Yes, I did. Very, very early on in my writing career as a teenager, I wrote a, some uh, Red Dwarf fan fiction because I was a big fan of Red Dwarf. I think fan fiction is a fine way to get into writing when you're young. Mm -hmm. I think the problems arise if you're still doing it when you're 25. Mm. So it's a good way to like start off writing with someone else's characters, like everything's like pre-established, so you don't have to put so much work into it. But yeah, you're supposed to be learning how to make characters for yourself. If uh, there's some there's some people who like keep making fan fiction and like make a whole career out of it and somehow make a living from it. Yeah. As I understand it. If uh if if you could could play in someone else's pool and, and write in someone else's world what would is there like a property that you would you would most like to be able to play in well i was invited to uh write a pitch for a duke nukem forever story would that be like if you like wave, wave a magic wand that would be like i, I don't thing? know i've got too many of my own ideas to want to think about writing in someone else's world gotcha maybe i'm an auteur there you go. Yeah, I'm too much of an auteur. <laughs> uh, Cadmon Alima gives five dollars. Says when you're waiting 45 minutes before the stream starts, wander off and get back 45 minutes after the stream starts. It sounds like uh, you took like a 90 minute walk. I hope your walk was nice though. You should take your ADD medication, Cadmon Alima. By the sounds of it, that's true. Yeah, or or you need to set set little timers. <clears throat> Matthew Adkins gives $10 and says, Bad news, Marty. My wife found my dono from last week's Today We Play, currently watching from the local <laughs> Motel 8. Now, quick, take my money before my girlfriend finds out. <laughs> I like this reoccurring bit where uh, Matthew Adkins is in a downward spiral of donations to us that are slowly ruining his life. Um, I well, think it's wonderful. As long as he understands his priorities. 
Exactly, exactly. Uh, oh, and Clover and Aeneas, who uh, posted their first Super Chat earlier, yeah. welcome to Early Access. They joined yeah. Early Access later on. Well, welcome, Clover and Aeneas. We have all sorts of good stuff for Early Access coming this week. I'll go over it at the end of the show when we do our, our little shout-outs and everything, but you are in for a treat this week. Righty, should be sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Robert Fortune gives $2, says the Near Mobile game is a pretty decent example. That is, when someone was mentioning mobile games being uh, being sort of episodic like that, or anthology-based like that, that was the one I thought of. I didn't, uh, I love Nier. Uh, the, the something about, I don't know, when, when people try to translate big old 3D experiences onto mobile, that's like not the reason I want to play on mobile. Like I even have the fancy backbone controller thing that snaps into it, but like that's not, I like people that use the mobile format in interesting ways that really appeal to the sort of, short one-handed nature that i use my phone in um well that sounded like there's a lot of mass i certainly thought near automata was a very good game for people who like to play Ah, ah, one-handed great well done masturbation uh tim martin gives ten dollars and asks which ending is the better ending in dark souls one which one is a more satisfying conclusion well, I guess the point is neither of them are satisfying conclusions. And the other point is yeah. that Dark Souls isn't really about its ending. It's about the journey to get there. But for me, it's Dark Lord all the way. Who wants to light themselves on fire for the benefit of a yeah. bunch of posh pricks? Yeah, no, I just, I want all those long-necked weirdos to uh, to, to to look at me as their king. I yeah, that's great. and bow down so I can use them as a staircase. Yeah. Would you rather, do you prefer like the binary choice at the end of Souls games, or would you rather have an ending be a culmination of things you did throughout the game? I'm not really bothered about Dark Souls endings. As I say, it's I'm focused more on the journey. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, none of the games have good endings, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Well, they've all got basically the same ending. Sustain the Age of Fire or begin the Age of Dark. That's yeah. basically every ending of a Dark Souls game. That is true. Age of Star- Clover does say that Age of Stars is the best ending in, in Elden Ring, and I do agree. If you stars like. are neat. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Simple Simon gives $2, says, so Hitman is the video game equivalent of Columbo. Yeah, basically. Ooh. Now that's what I want there. So uh, that team, IO Interactive, is also now working on a James Bond game. Yeah, I heard and about I think that. it would be cool if it, if it took that same approach. Where I don't think we need, like... Uh, a, a story that goes throughout the thing like what if man what if every level of the james bond game was like a hitman level like dense and replayable what of a different era of bond like Ooh. have something feel like early connery have something feel like the the tongue-in-cheek roger moore era have that, something be all super serious like daniel craig that sounds pretty neato yeah i can like to see a game that's just james bond doing the day job I assume oh, the movie is, is just boring, like the occasional big adventure he has. I just sure. want to see what his day-to-day life is like. Yeah, he's like uh, just spending weeks and weeks uh, like tailing someone and it just turns out they just lead a very boring life. Yeah. Doing a lot of paperwork. Yeah, yeah, just hanging out of the office. Yeah. Flirting I mean, ultimately, he to... with receptionists. Yeah, he probably loses a lot of money gambling. Like yeah. We only see him when he wins big, but he probably just, yeah. Uh, Long Dong Silver, member for 27 months, Early Access, says, are fighting games a collection of short stories? Possibly. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, uh, 
games like Tekken and Mortal Kombat where you choose a character and then you get like an ending based on mm. based on that character and they might have a rival that's a different character. Yeah, I could I could see that. Well, I yeah. do like the way how fighting games are usually made so that every single character in it could theoretically be a protagonist. Yeah. I mean, uh, that said, who, what was the, the fuck was with that dude with the whip in Mortal Kombat 10? And who was yeah, never seen again? He didn't need that whip. What are we doing there? We don't need to do that. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed a film where he was the lead. I wanted to play with the gay cowboy more. That's everything. That's everything I want in life. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Dimitri gives two Canadian dollars and says, L.A. Noir, but Columbo. See, I don't think a Columbo game would work if you were the one playing Columbo. Because that was the premise of every Columbo episode, is that we f like the, the, the story follows the killer, and Columbo's just the sort of plot device that uh, comes along. So... So, we, a so a Columbo game would be like Hitman, but where you play as a different murderer, and your job is to try to get away with the crime, but you never do, because Columbo's too smart. Columbo would be like your Mr. X or your nemesis, just always yeah. sort of like appearing just in the level, trying to Just always following you down you. the corridor, going, just one more thing, just one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> rubs his forehead and smokes a cigarette. I think that'd be great. Yeah. yeah, I would love that. Oh, two more Super Chats just came in. Sasuke Saratopi, member for two months, says, Fleming did write Bond anthologies, so it had fit. Yeah, all right, go. fair enough. And Scavenger it. gives $5 to say, if the Thunderball jetpack is in the Bonds game, it'll be Yahtzee's game of the year. I just like good traversal mechanics if they fit the game. It's not just that jetpacks are always like the fast track to me liking the game. Or grappling yeah, jetpacks are pretty cool. I oh just God, like traversal mechanics. That's why I kind of liked that Hell Pie game when it wasn't being completely gross. Yeah, I saw the other day you were playing it. You, I feel like you got Hell Pie fever. I'm going to review it. Because oh my god, I'm partly going to review it, partly because it has so little buzz. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be the world's number one help high influencer. There you Whether go. Whether it's a positive influence or a negative influence remains to be seen, but an influence nonetheless. Anyway, uh, let's uh, wrap things up. Thanks for listening. To Slightly something else podcast that also has faces on it. If you are inclined to look at those. Um, I was Yahtzee Crucial. I was joined, as always, by Marty Sleever. And this yeah. week, you can enjoy all kinds of fun content. From me, specifically, uh, Zero Punctuation is out on Wednesday, as usual. And you can enjoy the post-CP stream from 1pm. You can see the new episode on the site, or you can see last week's episode on YouTube. Unless you're a YouTube member, in which case you can watch the new episode on YouTube as well. Yes, I think that covers yeah. it all. Well, and then you'll also, I believe you'll have a new extra punctuation on Thursday I have as well. a new extra punctuation for YouTube members on Thursday. Yeah. And, and uh, new Saturday episode. you'll have a new Adventure is Nigh. Well, lots of people will have a new episode of Adventure is Nigh. I happen That's to be true. in it. But you have one-fifth of the new episode of Adventure is Nigh. I think Jack does most of the work on that. <laughs> you show up and look pretty. That's enough. Um... Yeah, so that's if, if you're a member, you have those to look forward to later on in the week, uh, as well as, uh, I believe, either up now or up soon, we should have a new Anatomy on Dishonored from Jemate and a new uh, In the Frame from uh, Darren on authorship in the MCU, specifically looking through the lens of Sam Raimi, which is very mm. exciting. Uh, on Thursday, uh, we, we currently have a, a members-only quest log by Amy and Jemate on uh, Dragon Age, so that'll be up to everyone on Thursday. Um, we have a mostly normal streaming schedule this week. Uh, we'll be Jack and I will be back in two hours or so with Elden Ring, and then later tonight, um, 
We'll have hidden gems with uh, Casey and Jesse, and they'll be playing a game called Toilet Chronicles. Have you ever played Toilet Chronicles? Well, I've played Hell Pie, which feels okay. like it could have been called Toilet Chronicles. That's a that's a companion piece to Toilet Chronicles. Yeah, there you there go. You go. Um, and then uh, tomorrow, uh, Nick and I will be back with more Editor's Hour for Wasteland. Uh, Wednesday, we should have, obviously, Post EP and, and Breakout. Uh, Thursday, Nick and I will be continuing our Lord of the Rings journey with um, The Third Age, which was the weird mm. kind of like JRPG take on Lord of the Rings that came out after those movie games. And then as a programming note, there will not be Metal Gear this week because KC will be out of town. So no Metal Gear 3 this week, but we'll be back next week, we promise. Um, it's yeah, funny. Then just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny that Toilet uh, used to be a euphemism. Used to be the, like the delicate euphemism for going for a big shit. Yeah, because you know that's why we that's why we say eau de toilette and uh, toilet water used to be a, a word for like a sort of perfume. Because toilet used yeah. to be just the word for like a lady doing her makeup, like, like a lady has to go and make her toilet. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, but then if and you then, say that now, then, they're like, and so people instead of saying I'm going to do a big shit, would say we're going to the we're going to do the our toilet. Yeah, but and now, but now, toilet just means going to do a big shit. So we've had to say we're going to the bathroom, or we're going yeah. to powder our nose, going to the restroom. Yeah, Shroom. that that is pretty funny. If someone said I'm going to the toilet. I'm like, oh, she's definitely taking a big shit. That's definitely what's happening. I once made a point on Twitter. If you were an alien and uh, you were you were given like a load of toilet roll, a load of bathroom uh -huh. tissue, what would you assume its purpose was? Just going off what's written on the outside. Because I don't think you'd uh, you'd uh, intuit that it was for wiping your bum bum when it was covered no, in poo. Because they're very much, it's very much like, look how soft it is. And this, yeah. like, maybe you'd fill a pillow with it and be like, oh, do I sleep with it? Like, do I sleep on this? Is this yeah. like for for my comfort? I mean, if you just went went by TV adverts, is this for just like dropping past a baby's bum to show how smooth the baby's bum is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is for like literally digging the shit out of my ass. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. what a gross country. We gotta, we gotta bring the bidets. Everyone needs a bidet. Anyway, Hashtag Simple Simon suddenly, because we delayed so long, Simple Simon brought another super chat saying more toffee time, please. So here's toffee. Get a good look because he's going into surgery tomorrow and he might die. Oh no, that's awful. No, ups, for, going, ups for a toffee. He's going under to have a teeth, have a rotten tooth pulled, and they're going to take his back dew claws off while he's while with while they've got him. Toffee will be fine. Toffee's the bravest dog there ever was. So next time you see him, he's gonna probably going to have a little cone on his head. Aww, that makes him cute. And he's got no idea. He's got no idea what he's in for. He's going to oh, no. happily get in the car tomorrow and I'm going to arrive at the vet and he's going to go, oh shit. <laughs> anyway. And Strike Warlock gives a final member chat to say, Yahtzee collab with Rich Evans when? Probably never. All right, thanks for watching. That's everything we had. <laughs> Toffee's going to die, and that's the end. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. I love you.